0: So we were talking about, among other things, the the rarity of um, attaining bhakti, attainment of sadhana is bhava. This is the goal of sadhana bhakti. And bhava is a ray of the sun, of prem, and upon attaining that, having that ingress into the heart, then it will be cultivated, of course. That's a kind of sadhana, but it's... Distinct from sadhana bhakti because it's filled with emotion, love, rather than um, kind of apprenticeship and practice and following those with such love to have such love and feeling, and so it's rarely attained. As we're finding from the Gita here, and of course that's echoed in the Bhagavatam and the Sindhu, as well. So, perhaps a note of pessimism arises <laughs> upon hearing this. Vedanta in itself is, is on its face pessimistic. But if we look more closely, we will find uh, quite a bit of uh, to be optimistic about there. There, especially if we look at Vedanta in conjunction with the Bhakti, Bhakti Vedanta. And that is, of course, Godi Vaishnavism. But still, rarely attained. And that is true for, as Bhagavatam says, Na Narayana Parayana Sudhulapa Prashantatma Gotishvapi Mahamune. I believe this uh, Chitraketu Raj was being... uh, Glorified uh, the standard of his devotion when this point was uh, brought out. And the efficacy of bhakti also then uh, in comparison to other forms of uh, spiritual pursuit or or means of improving the human condition, karma and jñāna. These are paths under themselves in a sense. And comparatively, then, the remedial power of bhakti is considerable. Uh, nonetheless, an actual devotee of Narayan, Narayana Parayana, whose life is given to Narayan, Kotishvapi Mahamune, prashantatma Muktanam Apisiddhanam, amongst Siddhas, rare to be found, Difficult to find. (laughs) And then the point is, of course, what to speak of Krishna Parayana, Radha Krishna Parayana, Chaitanya Parayana, even more rare. Find a person of such um, disposition, life dedicated, sold out to the service of Radha and Krishna. And this means then the pava one who has real love. So even among siddhas, it's difficult to find such a person. Rupa Goswami has uh, explained this in Bhakti-rasamrita-sindhu by way of saying that it's difficult in two respects. Difficult in that even after much sadhana, it's, uh, for a prolonged period of time, it may not come. And difficult in the second sense, in that Krishna is not uh, predisposed to bestow it very often. These are the two ways then we can understand of attaining Baba through sadhana and through kripa, mercy. So, in in, uh, in one sense, it gives us a little bit of hope and optimism. Much sadhana means. A sadhana of different type like sadhana and jnana and yoga and so forth it would be very difficult practicing that for a long time indeed it will be impossible <laughs> to attain Baba by that and we're not involved in that or at least we shouldn't be otherwise we will not be on the path of Śrīdha-bhakti we will not be a Sharanagata. we will misconceive that our sustenance in, in life, is uh, dependent on something other than than devotion. So, don't mix your bhakti. If, you do, if we consider it in terms of mixed sadhana, then it will take a long time, because it will take time to add, take out the admixture. And then, if it's performed for a long time still, until it reaches ruchi, and asakti, and his bhakti with some feeling, then it won't, it won't turn into bhav. So it means you'll have to go through all these steps. We're speaking about them in brief. Uh, bhakti manukkamishiti. Step by step, anukram. Kram bikram. From shraddha to rati. It's a bit of a journey. Outlined as it has been by Vishwanath Chakvati Thakur and his Madhurya Kadambani commenting extensively on the two verses of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that uh, describe the mention, I should say, the ninefold processes. And Bhaktiveda Thakur has, uh, has, of course, envisioned the come to be elaborating upon those. And we've commented upon that in our edition. So, um, not for, uh, not easily, It won't be coming uh, that soon. You'll have to go through the stages, so we should be aware of that. That Bhava is the goal of Sadhana, and to arrive there, we won't be near, or it won't happen soon, until Ruchi and Asakti come. So this means that Ruchi and Asakti are the beginning of the of the decline from the mountain of spiritual practice that we have to ascend and cross over to come into the valley of of love of God. So the uphill climb from Shraddha to to Nishta. Nishta is like at the top of the hill you can you can you can see the other side. Something tangible is there. You can at least look back and see, oh I've come a high distance. <laughs> I've I've risen above so many things. So many negative things and and some sense of, of freedom, unburdened now by that. I can go steadily without distraction and so forth. Uh, some, some type of vision is there. The, the the smoke of the flames of samsara may remain, but the flame has been extinguished. And just like in Audari, we had a forest far through the smoke, you can see there's still some trees there. Oh. <laughs> So uh, something like that. You can see the other side, and then downhill, ruchi and asakti. This this type of sadhana, this is this is also sadhana bhakti, but this is a developed stage of sadhana bhakti. Here you have some some real tangible nourishment is coming from the other side, ke So encouraging, hmm? feeling, and as I say, coming down the other side of the mountain. Of spiritual practice into the valley of spiritual emotion and love of God. So until we reach that stage, then it will be a long time. So we should go there quickly, <laughs> but that's not so easy. It takes time, and we should we should be aware of that. It's good sometimes, and often is a posture taken by the by the uh, Goshtyanandi to to speak in an encouraging way. But that has to also be balanced by other preachers sometimes. It may take a while. We can find things in the writings of Bhaktivinoda that are extreme in this regard when he says it may take yugas to go from one stage to the next. And on the other hand, encouragement from his followers that would make it seem that it is just around the corner. I've said before that uh, when devotees ask is it possible to attain... Krishna in one lifetime that more likely it will take many lifetimes but at the same time in one lifetime it will happen. <laughs> and when we make our practice such that that should be this lifetime and some few lifetimes of that <laughs> only two or three like that then it will be possible. But if we understand the goal that's why it's important to talk about it appropriately, not in the way that we're led to believe that we're almost there, and without even having taken our shoes off, we're about to enter into the into the lila of uh, of Radha and Krishna. But appropriately about the goal, in such a way as to as to that we understand it clearly, then there's so much inspiration to know I'm on the path to attain such a goal. That with that comes some the necessary patience to uh, to go the distance. And progress also. It's hard to evaluate our progress sometimes, even though nice maps have been given in books like Maduria Kadambani and others. Still, sometimes it's a little difficult to to map our, our own progress. But um, our guide will see us, well, <laughs> sometimes more objectively, sometimes perhaps not... <laughs> Uh, with eyes of affection and so forth um, but nonetheless knowing the course well enough to see someone firmly situated on the path uh, he or she may speak encouragingly knowing well, in comparison like my god brother used to say Vishnu John the distance we have traversed thus far before meeting our Gurudev is far greater than the distance we have yet to to pass hmm? that is quite a short distance so such a huge thing to have in place good, good guidance treading the path in a systematic way this is this is huge if we concentrate on that then we'll be enthusiastic that will obs- obscure the fact that it may take a little time a little time in good company is, is well spent <laughs> so this is this is then very central, as foundational to our spiritual life, good guidance. And even when we hear from a good guide, it may take some time, then we won't be discouraged. If it's good time spent with him or her, then, as I said, time will spent, And time flies when you're having fun, they say. So if we are honest and sincere on the path, there's so much solace. And so much to be encouraged about. Even though, surely, as is mentioned here, and as I say in other places, it will take some time. Krishna, of course, may bestow his mercy at any time. And there are examples of that. But he says in Bhagavatam, in answer to the uh, Raj Pariksit, who was feeling a little bit, um, wondering about his own status and so forth, in Fifth Canto, after the uh, glories of Bhashavdeva had been mentioned, Krishna told him, let's just see how fortunate you are. Mukti I give pretty readily, but bhakti I very, I very rarely give. He means to say that, look at your family, your, your, uh, your heritage of the Pandavas, how I've given myself to them. This is the lineage that you're coming in. Even my, in my own family, Amongst the yadus, I have not given such fortune as I have given to the Pandavas. Becoming their order carrier and so forth. This is bhakti. Where in Krishna subordinates himself to the devotee. This is of course the, the characteristic of praim, That uh, it's uh, Krishna conquering this bhakti. Surulava is one, as I mentioned, of the six characteristics of Sudha-bhakti. Two pertain to sadhana-bhakti four pertain to bhava bhakti and six to prema bhakti or we could say two to each but the two that are there inside of the bhakti are not lost when the two that are in bhava bhakti are attained and those four are not lost when the two characteristics of prema bhakti are attained Kleshagni, removal of of distress of the cause of distress then ignorance and auspiciousness of different kinds becomes um, the, the life of the devotee. This is sadhana bhakti, so much to be accomplished in that. And bhav bhakti, it makes small of liberation, and it's rare. And praying bhakti is full of a kind of extraordinary, very thick happiness. That makes the happiness of Brahman look insignificant, also, and it conquers Krishna. So here's Sudurla, some dimension, in even the Gita. Rather than be discouraged, though, we should be encouraged by this. To think, yes, this is my path, and that you will be successful. It may take some time, that, but you will be successful. That's that's assured by remaining on the path in due course. So then what you will attain? Something so high that amongst the siddhas it is, it is rare. So this is how we will then positively evaluate our life and our situa- situation as sadhakas. What we are connected with, what we are associated with, what our ideal is, that we will become. I said before that uh, Puchipa Chitamar used to like to say that it's, it's considered generous to judge people not by their past but by their present. But Mahaprabhu's standard was was even greater. He would judge people by their future and in terms of judging them by their ideal, what it was that they held cherished in their heart as their ideal for attainment, because that they would become. So if our ideal is prema bhakti, And we will be judged very generously by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So we should be optimistic about our situation. Although it may take some time, what will be attained far outweighs the weight. People are forming big queues to go to football games and and, uh, even overnight vigils to attain to concerts and special events of this world and so forth. So to be homeless and waiting in line. Something like that For this ideal right? if we in other words, if we understand the ideal then the weight and the difficulty that may be involved in that is insignificant in comparison, therefore again, it is important to have some emphasis on the goal some theoretical understanding of what is brain and how it is the preogen uh, so here in a, in a very indirect way we're told we're not told much about it Gita here but we're told it's very extraordinary it's very rare even amongst siddhas it's it's rarely found so we think goodness this is what this is my future this is my ideal this is what I will will become I'll make a siddha look look imperfect the life of a siddha look, will look incomplete the life of a self-realized soul will look incomplete so we should evaluate ourselves in terms of our association, our Sangha hmm? where we get our ideal. Hmm? And that we, we 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 that because that we will become used to give the example. If a man is the president of a ten story building and lives on the ten story tenth story suite <coughs> and another man is a doorkeeper in the building next door of a 100-story building, then the president may look down at the doorkeeper and think, oh, he's just a doorkeeper, and I'm on the 10th story. But the doorkeeper of the 100-story building has the prospect of working in the company and eventually rising up to the position of the president in the 100th story, at which time he will look down at the 10th story president and think, oh, (laughs) you're like a doorman in comparison. Well, mukti is only doorway to bhakti. You have to go through the doorway of mukti. You have to become a mukta to be fully a bhakta. Mukti is included in bhakti. In other words, you, you can't go there with your shoes on. So this karmic condition that constitutes our material identification, that will have to be left behind. But that's only like a doorway, a passage through which we, we must go to enter the land of, of Prima. So we are connected with the hundred-story building. We will rise up, and the Muktas, in all their effort and whatnot, huh, we'll think it is a waste of time. And then from that we will think well, the nature of the path, even. Uddhava says, huh, what is our position in relation to them? We will simply wear the vestments of Krishna. That is all. And our life will become perfect. That's prashad. So of course Krishna was in Dwaraka, the royal prince, king of Dwarka, and beautifully attired there in royal, royal dress. And when he was tired of a particular outfit, then he would be passed out and the likes of Uddhava would dress himself only in Krishna's clothes. This was just one example of his living at the mercy of Bhagwan. I just think well, he could be a high fashioned well dressed person, and be a beggar at the same time. <laughs> so, from whom you, to whom you approach with your begging bowl, that will make some difference. We should approach Krishna and beg for praying. This is the idea. Mm-hmm. This is Mahaprabhu's begging as a as the Tridandi sannyasin. He's begging for prema. To fill his bowl with prema. And let it overflow and be distributed to others. This is the 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 begging of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Udiva's point is what? That our path, our goal is high. So high that it makes mukti look insignificant. Even in the stage of bhava, what to speak of the stage of prema. And for this we should be encouraged. And secondly... The practice to get there is easy. They are living naked, covered with ashes, and confronting the, 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 the extremes of heat and cold, the chagis, the vairagis, and so forth in the Himalayas, the, 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 those on the path of vairagya, corresponding with jnana. It's an arduous path, difficult. And, and by comparison, he said, hmm, I will just wear the royal clothes of Krishna. That will take me there. And beyond. So uh, the path is comparatively easy. It is a path that, that requires some effort, that's true, but requires some mercy also. And a little of each. And and what is the effort? The effort is to get the mercy of Bhagwan. <laughs> that is the effort, to position ourselves in such a way that he may be sympathetic to us, to our our plight, and and by connecting ourselves with his devotee, then certainly it's easy to get his attention. So it's it's not a difficult path comparatively. It may seem difficult to us, but but comparatively, what what's available in terms of ego-effacing paths and the result that will come from that, this is easy. And the goal is 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 to transcend even ego effacing by by ego shaping, shaping an identity, in relation to Bhagwan. So in this way, the rarity, which at first glance may cause us to be a little discouraged if understood properly, is actually for our encouragement. It's such a high thing, difficult to attain, but you're on that course. You're connected with, with the lineage that, that extends there. So, we're all, uh, lucky. It's very rare and it's uh, very difficult to attain, but you're on course to attain that. So suddenly it becomes very optimistic. So even when we have to weigh in like this on, and, and for the sake of encouraging us, sometimes things may be said, yes, chant and be happy. <laughs> and it's very easy and so forth. And uh, even examples may be given and so forth. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu looked at people and they got brain. It said Nityananda Prabhu, Mahabanda gave to whoever asked and Nityananda Prabhu gave who who, who resisted. Hmm? So very easy. Of course, the, the, in their lila they did such things. That's true. They left us with Harinam, that is easy comparatively. But some effort is there. So effort in sadhana should be we should understand from this that some effort in sadhana is required. We cannot go about it haphazardly, but with concentration and fixation and so forth time set aside for that. That will that will call our progress. If we go about it haphazardly you won't you won't get the results and you'll be wondering, I'm doing all this bhakti? I'm not getting. Then we have to reevaluate what you are actually doing, <laughs> whether it is bhakti or to what extent. So, rarely achieved. And then we discussed the third verse or fourth verse and fifth verse just briefly. And Krishna only mentions these tattvas of Shakti, Shakti tattvas of Tatastan or Jeev Shakti and Maya Shakti briefly here. He doesn't want to elaborate upon them. Here, he does that later on in the 13th chapter. What is the Jeev Shakti? What is the Chaitra Chaitra or Then the field, the knower of the field, and so forth. In some detail, the metaphysical, ontological position of the Maya Shakti and the Jeev Shakti is elaborated upon. Here, he describes in brief the makeup of matter and distinguishes the self from it. I don't think you'd uh, pass your physics, chemistry, or biological biology class by citing this verse as an explanation of the material world and its elemental constituents. So it's a bit of an antiquated idea in comparison to modern science. What is the makeup of matter? Earth, water, fire, air, ether. These are old, or older ideas or ways of talking about that. This is coming from the Sankhya, uh, worldview. It's found also in Buddhist, Buddhist texts and, and, uh, throughout, uh, Vedanta. Also, I think it overflows into the middle, medieval western, uh, culture, the, the Greeks and even the Middle Ages and so forth, had this kind of idea like solidity and liquidity and heat and, and so on. It's not wrong or inaccurate, it's a, it's a way of speaking about material nature. And um, for that matter, it's a profound way, in another sense, because there's a division here. There's a division between a, a, a gross and a subtle form of matter there's a room for a mind here that's not reducible to gray matter this was the uh, idea and, and mind, mind was kind of the voice uh, seen as the voice of consciousness through which consciousness then expresses itself it's more subtle than the gross material elements and then capable of being used for expression on the part of consciousness which is the life in body which is the other tattva Mentioned here in the next verse, apparayam prakritim vidime param jiva The jiva, the consciousness, that's sustaining the world, giving it meaning and so forth. So this is this is an important distinction. It's not a distinction that's that's a, perhaps not. It's not acknowledged. It's questioned. It's maybe there's some there's a debate about it. Mind mind brain debate. Been going on for some time without any uh, any conclusion. We're of the idea, Bhagavad Gita, is the of the uh, uh, the conviction that mind is is an ontological whatever. It's in a part of a hierarchical of material reality above the gross elements. Mind and then intellect is that discriminating factor. Mind makes. Dis- Takes input and with, with that input can be discriminated upon by, by intellect, the power of intellect. And then another important thing is mentioned here, ahankara. False ego. So there's not much place for that in modern, uh, thought. The false identity. The fact that we've identified with matter and that we're living in a virtual reality and and so forth. It's pretty demonstrable, though, <laughs> it would seem to me, that we are uh, uh, in pursuit of happiness and enduring happiness in relation to that which does not endure, and that does seem to be a, a bit of a confusion. And the false ego implies some type of confusion on the part of the living being. We live in very uh, confused times and um, and this is and it's all for the pursuit of happiness and it seems to me be always beyond uh, beyond our grasp the pessimism with which Vedanta weighs in on the world, taking apart the, the apparent prospect of happiness through emotional fulfillment, relationships and so forth. By laying bare the real nature of of all these of, of relationships attachment and so forth and so on it it 's a kind of a pessimistic healthy pessimism about the prospect for actually attaining happiness in a world of forms and names that are here today and and gone tomorrow is then then followed by the by the optimism of of how by Looking elsewhere, looking within, and and with and systematically, it can be attained. It's not that the Western world didn't talk about looking within and so forth, and and Christianity and some saints apparently attained in Catholicism, anyway. I think Protestant did away with the saints, but uh, <laughs> so they had some inner uh, life and experience. But there is a lacking, as far as I understand it, of any systematic means of attaining that inner. In her life, contemplative Catholics in, in more modern times look towards Buddhism for, to him and, and began to employ um, some of their uh, methodology for sitting and uh, and, uh, and looking within. It seems to be somewhat lacking Christianity, as far as I understand, in a, in a, in a system, in a, in a consistent practice. Certainly, going to church on Sundays is, doesn't amount to that. But there are some. Rules to follow and <laughs> things and whatnot, but to to explore the dimensions of of consciousness systematically. This is what we call sadhana, and it's 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 actually quite well uh, thought out, detailed in terms of in yoga shastra, for example, of Patanjali. It's very obtruse, abstract analysis of of mind and and the, the means by which. The conscious entity can comprehend, can apprehend the nature of the objective reality by an interpenetration of the subject and the object and arrive at a comprehensive knowing beyond the, the limitations that Western society, culture has understood the mind and intellect. They're really an, an impediment. How can you know if you're different altogether from matter? This was the problem, one of the problems of of Descartes' philosophy as seen by others. Well, how can you know if you're different categorically from the objective world, how can you know it? Like attracts like and and and, and, and knowing. If you're of a different substance altogether, then how can you know it? This is an argument that he wasn't able to answer very well. Uh, but but in Vedanta and even in Yoga Shastra and so forth, you find that there's a difference, as I said this morning. But there's also there's also a non-difference. We both have a conscious source. So our there's a way of comprehensively understanding matter that involves an interpenetration on the part of the jiva with matter in um, meditation, which takes us, as I guess I said again, beyond the mind, beyond the the limits of. Intellect for knowing, for apprehending, for comprehending, mm-hmm. and this in Yoga Shastra and in, in Buddhism they have, of course, very detailed explanations of meditation and and how to how to how to transcend the mind and so forth. Very uh, very technical, very um, systematic, very well well reasoned, and in this way, as we kind of were speaking earlier today. This Eastern uh, philosophy uh, spirituality has a rational element to it that, uh, while it, at the same time it's called mysticism, it has a rational side to it as, as to how to how to uh, approach that inner world and thereby understand the outer world as well. Of course, when we come to bhakti, then then um, meditation is also there. It's fostered by Kirtan and so forth. this also very, much has been written, all Bhakti Rasamirtasin, the whole book on on the, the nature of bhakti and good section, large section on sadhana and so forth. Bhakti Sandarbhas is there, the whole Guru Goswami has elaborated upon. The nature of the practice and so forth, and much more to be said on that. I'm sure there's ages, uh, generations of Vaishnavism, continue on in in the world so we're in a good position for knowing for understanding spiritual practice is is uh, is tangible and fruitful in the immediate sense it's not merely awaiting for going it's for going there now one qualifies oneself in the here and the now to enter there and the here and the there, kind of, <laughs> the two are kind of, the, the, the there is very much here in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So false ego, false identity is mentioned here. Not one of the elemental constituents of the material world that you'll learn about in, in biology or chemistry or physics, but you find find in the Bhagavad Gita and it's very practical. In pursuit of happiness which is 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 universal. Humanity has come up very much short by looking without or by looking within in an unsystematic way. But in in bhakti and all these traditions, we, we are encouraged to look within, but we are given tools to do so also and that's why Prabhupada used to like to talk about it as a science rather than as a faith or just a belief I believe because of some dogma or authority but as a science by which applying oneself one can get tangible results and well, this could be probably there's prospect for empirically testing it to some extent much more so than, than other other types of spiritual tradition that lack that type of uh, those type of tools. Riga was, was talking about tools. So we have a bag full of tools, <laughs> also to help us in this uh, in this work. Considerable, powerful tools. They should be employed. They are powerful enough. The point is here is to take the material world at its root. What is that root? Ankara, false ego. From there, the whole thing, in one sense, expands and see how bhakti is so efficient in this regard then. Because it immediately addresses this issue in a positive way. The issue is that our suffering is based on a misperception, a misidentity, a false ego, a hunkar. And the whole covering of material existence is arising out of that. And how does it address it comprehensively and positively? By ascertaining the core, the spirit, if you will, behind that it is an enjoying spirit, and then it seeks by its every in its entirety to convert that enjoying spirit to the serving ego, the enjoying ego, the taking ego to the, to the giving ego. It goes This is where it, it focuses its energy immediately. It's not on, not on controlling the mind as in yoga practice uh, or or the senses. Those are aspects, obviously, of bhakti. But the main emphasis, you have another identity. Again, brain, prayogin, you have another identity, a happy identity. In relation to joy himself, the personification of joy, you have a relationship. The basis of that relationship is, is a serving ego. So this is a very positive... Way to convert the whole affair and turn our lives from material into spiritual, to uncover ourselves from all of these, uh, what are considered coverings in Sankhya uh, outlook, material coverings of the soul. By going to the ego, in the of bhakti, we're <speaking in the> told <language> Krishna will be known, understood. By changing the enjoying ego to the serving ego, Hare hmm. Krishna nama beginning with, and also taking the name of Krishna. Hmm? So, as the material world is is based on taking and enjoying, oh, the spiritual world based on serving. Hmm? So, at the very root, then of the material existence, bhakti is directed. Therefore it's so efficacious, so complete. To, simply to remove the false ego without establishing one in the serving ego, that will be difficult. It may not be successful. Therefore, Aruya Param Padam So many trying in that way, again coming down. Making some progress, but going down without bhakti. So this is perhaps the most important word for us in this description of material nature. Ahankaram bumerapunaluvayuka manurayucha hankara So the fact that it's perhaps the description is not very is is simplistic in one sense in comparison to what you learn in the science classroom and all that's gone on in terms of analyzing matter and the objective world and volumes of books and so many experiments and millions of dollars and studying and analyzing, trying to get to the bottom of it and what it is and so forth. Here, the uh, while this may be simple in one sense, and from antiquity, the way they describe it without all that serious thinking, uh, part, of, part of modern people still this word here is uh, is significant angara if you understand this word then you can unravel the whole thing and then in the next verse again from Maya Shakti described here he, then he describes the Jeeva Shakti and this is what makes up the world he does it here mentions these two just by way of saying and these are the world then you can understand what's my position Krishna is speaking about himself. What is he saying? The world of your experience is made up of two things, consciousness and matter, and those are both my Shaktis. They belong to me. They have no independent existence from me. So, what is my position? This is what he wants to tell Arjuna. And in telling Arjuna about, about the Jeev Shakti, he says, This is encouraging then. He says, It's sustaining the whole of. The material existence—it's making matter matter. So we can understand also from this that that the, the, the jiva soul is sustaining the world. Desire is making the whole thing go round. Matter is moving the modes of nature, if you will in relation to the desire of the jiva that's energizing the whole affair. So the jiva is superior to matter. At the same time, the fact that it finds itself in this plight tells us something else about the jiva. It's superior in nature, but there's something about it that that puts it in this position that's uh, that that makes it somewhat uh, defective, at the same time. So, this, if you th- think about it carefully, it doesn't stop there. Uh, the jiva is superior to matter, but the jiva is also, though it's animating matter, it's in a it's in a situ- position which it isn't, doesn't even understand that fact. So, in relation to consciousness, which the jiva is constituted of. It's defective, in a sense, inherently in comparison to that Swarup shakti that governs the lila, that never comes under the influence of maya-shakti and so forth. So the careful study of the Gita, and this, this verse, thinking about it, we can understand that while the jiva is superior, it's also in consciousness, it's not the whole show. It's not all of consciousness, it's not the, the be all and everything, otherwise, why is it in this predicament to begin with? so it has it's prone to such a condition, and from such a condition condition it means, needs to be extricated it needs to be be liberated and as Krishna will go on to say in the in the gita here uh, well, we'll say it he says here you should understand that all beings are born of these two powers, and that I am the origin and destroyer of the entire universe. So again, this is the point I was making, he says. This is why I'm talking about this, to say, to say that I am, these are my Shaktis, that's what the whole world is constituted of these two Shaktis, and they belong to me. And, Mataparataramnanatkin Chirastidhan Jaya. Everything, the whole world is resting on me, like pearls are resting on a thread. Well, and then, when he, then he starts to give some ways of thinking about himself. Well, I'm the taste in water. Mm-hmm. And uh, the strength of the strong, devoid of... Uh, of the strong I'm strength, devoid of desire and attachment. I am love that is righteous, and so on and so forth. And then he says, That crossing over maya, hmm, on the part of the jiva, he said, that's dependent on me, also. Hmm? he says, me. He says, my maya, for the Jiva, even though the Jiva is superior and sustaining Maya in the sense of animating the world and making it matter in a sense. Nonetheless, the predicament that it finds itself in, having turned on, in the sense the machine of material nature and being overcome by it, is only to be resolved by my ingress. Mama Maya Abduratiya, he says, This Maya is impossible to overcome, impossible. It's, it's insurmountable. But those who take shelter of me, then for them, they, they can cross over that. It means you cannot do it, but I can lift the veil. So this is an instance in which we find the emphasis of bhakti and the fact, as per Gaudiya that mukti is not possible without bhakti. There may be other methods... And they may be very sophisticated, Krishna says. And what could be more sophisticated than yoga? Oh, it's a very extremely sophisticated system for dealing with the problem of distracted mind and and senses and so forth. I mean, the power, imagine, of the power derived from yoga that enables one to concentrate one's mind to such an extent... On an object, that there can be this interpenetration and comprehensive knowing, and cities can come from this and so forth. It would seem like magic to people in, in the laboratory. It's a very sophisticated system. Krishna says it, to, to Vidura, I think Vidura, this is not uh, as, as sophisticated a system as yoga, to speak of others doesn't do much for me, it doesn't attract my attention without my attention you're nowhere even though it may look like you've gone somewhere to overcome maya requires the bhakti to me then then it becomes possible, it becomes easy in fact so this is an important philosophical point for us it does sound perhaps a little sectarian and you may be repulsed by that uh, to one extent or another, wanting to be pluralistic and open-minded and so forth. But it's actually very uh, thoughtful and it's not um, uh, meant to make uh, make less of others in any way or of the past. It, it, it says that they are, will be effective by the infl- some influence of bhakti. By understanding bhakti then that will become more clear to us after all even in a simple sense unless you devote yourself to your path whatever it may be you won't be successful and again this is why it's important to study these middle chapters in the theology to understand what is the position of, of Krishna our ideal and what is mukti in relation to him and so forth so any question? Can you mentioned something on the six characteristics of prey. Could you perhaps say a little bit more about that? Well, what are they? I don't know. <laughs> I've already said something. I haven't retained that. I to say more on They are two that pertain to sadhana bhakti. One, that in sadhana bhakti, all the stress is removed, all the miseries are removed, klesha agni, and once life becomes auspicious. So you're all practicing sadhana bhakti, and I know you're all free from miseries, right? You may have a doubt then. No, my life is miserable still. <laughs> I have so many problems. So how will we answer that? You're all doing sadhana bhakti. Why are you not free from distress? Are you free from distress? No. Are you practicing? This must be a problem. Because what is happening because of ignorance? But you're practicing, so you should... Sadhana bhakti is supposed to destroy ignorance. So why do you still have ignorance? Mm. Former... uh, Apparatus somewhere. The so it doesn't work? It doesn't destroy apparatus. In the course of time. Okay. that's a, So sadhana bhakti is all the way up to asakti, right? So you can say, I haven't reached that stage yet. I'm a sadhaka, but I'm in the beginning stages, so it hasn't fully fully manifest. The Ignorance is not fully destroyed. Ignorance is... Then manifest as karma, right? Good and bad karma, karma that's manifest or unmanifest. So this is, also tells us something about the nature of the suffering or the misery that will be destroyed. Ignorance will be destroyed, <clears throat> and the bondage of of uh, of karma, which is perpetuation of of suffering. So this is uh, to be expected in sadhana bhakti and auspiciousness. Life becomes auspicious. One becomes attractive. People like you. Watch out. That could be a problem. This comes in ruchi. And this destroying of misery is really tar- starts to become tangibly apparent in, in nishtan and ruchi people. They start, start to like you. They seek your company. So it takes a little time. Removal of miseries. Still we find many great devotees seem to suffer. Right? So how will we understand that? The Pandavas suffered so many things. And they were supposed to be praying bhaktas. so How can we understand the suffering of the Pandavas? They were that is a special situation Krishna is teaching through his devotees they didn't really feel any pain in that their pain was expressed by Kunti how did she express let these sufferings as they appear happen again and again vipadatattva what is that verse? tattvatattva jagadguru vipad means like calamities they had to suffer so many calamities in their life let us suffer them again and again, she said. Because in doing so, it gives cause for us for remembering you, and remembering you puts an end to all suffering, to end to birth and death. It means end to karma, it means liberation. So, to be free from, from the grip of karma, that is to be free from, from misery. Then in the bhava-bhakti, then two things. Uh, It makes liberation insignificant. Having attained bhava bhakti, looks insignificant in comparison. And the nature of bhava-bhakti is also that it's it's very rare. And Prem bhakti is full of a very thick, condensed kind of happiness. Sandranatma. And... Krishna Akashani has the power to captivate, to captivate Krishna, to captivate Krishna entirely his attention. These are the six characteristics of Shuddha Bhakti described in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu in the very first chapter. Okay, tomorrow I'll ask for questions. So you're not, you're not studying enough. You don't have enough doubts. <laughs> I can't do much. My service की परंपरा